So the Bible says that we're saved by grace, right? Getting something good that you don't deserve, right? That's what grace is, through faith. So by grace, through faith. So what is faith? Well, faith is described in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, by it's a substance, unseen. So it's sub, it's a compound word, substance. Sub means like submarine underneath or your subgrade in your house, you know, where your foundation sits upon that you can't see it, but stance, substance. You stand on it, even though you can't see it, you trust that it's there and you stand on it. That's what faith is. Faith is that, my friend, and you're saved by grace, getting something good you don't deserve through faith, trusting and believing, all right? That's what the Bible tells us. And the greatest movements in history, you guys, were from somebody, in church history, I should say, from somebody reading the book of Romans, And one of those guys was Chuck Smith, studying and going through the book of Romans. And he understood finally that he was a sinner. He couldn't do it. He was saved by faith. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk, right? The book of Habakkuk. You guys in Israel know that. The just or the righteous shall live by faith. Wow. That's amazing. And there's a movie coming out called The Jesus Revolution. And you're going to see how Chuck Smith... Greg Laurie and his wife, Kathy, uh, came to Calvary Chapel during this Jesus movement. I was there when I was a little kid. It was amazing. God's power was moving powerfully, you guys. I hope it happens again for our world. But anyway, that movie's coming out soon, and you've got to see it, all right? It's about revival. God breathing his spirit back into the church. All right. Hey, welcome to my channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, you may want to consider subscribing. We use the whole counsel of God in this channel. That's what we're about, guys. All right. So the righteous shall live by faith. That's what Habakkuk 2.4 tells us. And that's where Paul takes us. He goes... He's in the book of Romans, and he brings us to that. So when was Romans written? It was written right around 56, 57 AD, right? AD means Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Zero AD is when Jesus was born, right? About 32 AD, he was 33 years old. He died on the cross. Three days later, he was raised from the dead as the true Messiah, the promised one, And he's alive and well today, and he's saving many people alive right now, you guys. Just like Joseph, right? Joseph was, he was rejected by his own, cast away, um, left for dead. They thought he was long gone out of their lives. And then later, in a time of great trouble, his brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? Those are the patriarchs of Israel. They realized he's alive. He's alive. And they were scared at first. But then Joseph says, don't be afraid. Come closer. I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold as a slave down to Egypt. You guys meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many alive as it is today, right? That's what Joseph said. Well, Joseph had a Gentile bride. So Jesus has a Gentile bride right now for the most part, right? There's a lot of Jewish people too, and that's changing. But but Jesus has a Gentile bride, and this is the church age right now, the age of grace. And you, my friend, want to take advantage of that. Do not delay. If you feel something in your heart saying, this is for you, stay tuned because at the end of this episode, you're going to have an opportunity to pray and to receive through faith and, and say by grace, right? God's goodness, just giving you something good you don't deserve, but through faith, through believing and trusting in Jesus and Yeshua Mashiach if you're in Israel. And that's how you're saved. 
Stay tuned because you'll be able, you'll have this opportunity at the end of this episode to say that prayer from your heart, meaning it. It's a prayer from your heart to God. So, all right, you guys. So let's get into it. All right. So we just we looked at what uh, uh, the righteous shall live by faith. Right. This is a quote from Habakkuk, and then we're going to keep on going here. So, what is faith? Very good question. We just talked about that in the intro, and faith is simply trusting and believing. As you guys know, Abraham was a great man of faith, and Paul, he's going to quote Abraham, especially in chapter 4. You're going to see how uh, how in Genesis, he's going to quote Genesis, right? The first book of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible written by Moses. Well, the story of Abraham, true story, he was considered righteous because he believed. It says that Abraham believed God, that's faith, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Wow. And Paul discovers that, and he's amazed at God's grace. And, and, and this, <laughs> this is why the book of Romans is so powerful, because it takes the four Gospels, all right, and it, and it unpacks the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It unpacks it, and it talks, Paul goes into deep detail about how God saves us and how we can walk with him, closer with him, and how we can overcome our sin and our flesh and, and become more like Christ as we grow in the knowledge and the goodness of Jesus Christ, or Yeshua Mashiach, if you're in Israel. I always want to talk to you guys, too, because I have a lot of followers um, subscribers out of Israel, and I believe that a revival is starting there. It's amazing. If you go to the One for Israel videos, you're going to see that, and there's been documentation of it, but there seems to be a beginning of a revival among the Jewish people in Israel right now, and I believe that Israel is a lot like that prodigal son that's going to come home. They're already coming home, and God the Father, the Father's already blessing them as they come home and someday they'll be all the way home and in his arms, trusting in Jesus, like the brothers of Joseph trusted in Joseph, and they were saved. They were they trusted that he was going to save them, and he did. And that was a picture of Jesus, right? And that's what we're going to see, you guys. And that other brother, remember the other brother was angry about it with the father. He's like, I've been with you all this time, and, and this son of yours doesn't even call him his brother. He, you know, he has been out wasting his inheritance and, and you're going to receive him back like this? Well, I think some of the church might talk to the father that way too. And he's going to say, try to understand your brother was dead, but now he's alive. And I believe, guys, just like there's a blindness upon the Jewish people right now, as we're going to see in the book of Romans, the blinders are coming off. They're going to start seeing who their true Messiah is. And I can't wait for that day. It's going to be amazing. I love it. Don't you? <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So let's go into Romans chapter 1. And by the way, this book of Romans has sparked many revivals in church history. Now, a lot of these men were not perfect. Church history is littered with, with atrocities especially towards the Jewish people. Awful stuff. And the church should apologize for that. Church history is a sinful history. It's not perfect. A lot of these guys that started out well, guys like Martin Luther, who started out well with the Reformation, ended up being doing horrible things. So it's not good. And I don't go off of people's writings or books or, or men in history. I go off of what the Bible says, the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New, so important that we stick with the Bible, not somebody's books, not somebody's teachings, the Bible, God's word. Remember, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, 
uh, God's word is God breathed. All scripture is breathed, inspired by God. And it's profitable for correction, instruction, all these good things. And that's what we do in this channel. So, hey, love you guys. I'm glad you're here. Let's get into it. The book of Romans, chapter one, starting here, this episode in verse eight. And here we go, guys. Let's see. First, Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the world. Who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the Roman church. And nobody really had started or planted a Roman church as far as we know there yet. It, uh, none of the uh, main guys that we know, the 12 apostles. A lot of people believe that when Pentecost happened, when that outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened to the Jewish men in Jerusalem after they saw the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ 50 days later, that's where we get penta. In the Greek, penta means, you know, the five or 50 years later, or not 50, 50 years, 50 days later, excuse me, they had the Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came in like a fire, like a flood, flooding their souls and their hearts were burning with the, the goodness and the love of God in a powerful way. And Peter preached and 3,000 men received, Jewish men received Jesus Christ. Because during that time, a lot of Jewish people were there for these festivals. They came from all over the world, Rome included, right? And they were there, and many believe that there was Roman, uh, Jewish Rome, Roman men that were there, and they left, went back to Rome, and they started churches there. And that's where we get this Church of Rome and this letter to the Romans, the Roman church. That's what this is about. Right around 57 AD. Later, uh, Paul, church history says that Paul and Peter were both killed by uh, under Nero uh, right around 64 AD. All right, so that's where we are on the timeline. And let's continue in the scriptures, you guys. Okay, so let's look at it this way. I want to show you a map real quick. I like doing this. It's fun, right? This is always fun to do. Um, but anyway, here we have the world. Um, right here is where Egypt is. And here's Africa. Here's Europe over here. And then Asia's over here, which is great because we can see that right here is Israel, the center of the world. It touches Africa. It touches Asia. And it touches Europe. It's, it's really the center of the world. And Jerusalem is the very center of it, as you're going to see. So Jerusalem is like right in here, and this is where Pentecost happened, and so a lot of these Romans went back to Italy here, back to Rome. This is all Roman Empire back then, this whole area, and uh, that's where they started the Roman church. Pretty amazing stuff. Really neat to look at. I love maps, don't you? <laughs> so, And Paul, he was actually in this area, which is called Asia Minor, which is actually Turkey today. But there were churches that Paul started all through this whole area, and uh, he wrote this letter to the Romans from the Corinthian uh, town of Corinthian, where he wrote it. So that's that's what the scholars teach anyway. So Paul wrote it again, 57 A.D. or Common Era, if you're going to call it that. And uh, this is after seven or before, excuse me. This is before 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem by the Romans. The Romans put up a siege against it, and they destroyed uh, Jerusalem, the temple, and not one stone was remaining upon another, just as Jesus Messiah said it would happen, and it did. 
All right, so that's what happened. So then this is to celebrate the Romans have this. Even today, you can see this, you guys. This is called the, the, the Titus Archway, okay? It's in Rome. And here you can see they, they did this to uh, remember what they did to Jerusalem. They're carrying the menorah, the seven golden lampstand right here, the Romans are. And they're also carrying right here the table of showbread. You can see the, the cup where the wine was, and they used to stack the 12 loaves of bread on here as well. So what I see in this is it's almost like God is showing us that his presence and his uh, you know, his temple went out throughout the world to find as many as he could, uh, Gentiles, to believe in him. And that's what happened. The bread of life being the picture of Jesus, the wine cup being a picture of what he, the, the blood that he shed, right? And then the seven golden lampstand being the churches. This was always a symbol for the churches, and it's being brought into Rome. Isn't that amazing? But guess what? This is built in Jerusalem again, and it's ready. It's in Jerusalem to this day. They built a new one off of this design, and it's ready because they're going to build this third temple, which is amazing, you guys. A lot of people blow this off. They're like, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. No, I think it does. Because Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel... In the holy place, there's only one holy place that's in the temple. He said, then you know the end is near. So a lot of people say this was in 70 AD and Titus defiled the temple. That might have been a partial fulfillment of it. And then a lot of people say it was Antiochus Epiphanes right around 167 or 165 uh, BC before Christ was even born, which it was a partial fulfillment of that, but that was actually a picture and a type. Just like Joseph is a picture and a type of Jesus, that was a picture and a type of the anti-Jesus, the anti-Christ, the anti-Messiah. And Antiochus Epiphany showed a picture of that, but that wasn't the full fulfillment of it because Jesus was talking about a future time. And it wasn't Titus. That was weak sauce, man. This guy is going to do, this is, I believe, going to be the third temple, which is actually being prepared to be built right now, amazingly. And this Antichrist guy is going to set himself up to be worshipped. And when he does that, the Jewish people are going to reject him, realizing he is not God and he's not the Messiah. And then that's when they need to run for the hills as Jesus warned. So if you're hearing this and it's about to happen, run for the hills, get out of Jerusalem Go out into the mountains and the wilderness. Escape as fast as you can. So, all right. So anyway, and don't take the mark of the beast, whatever you do, the mark of this, this hideous evil ruler that's coming. Him and his false prophet, which is the false, I believe, the false Jesus. Because in Revelation, it says that he, he appeared as a lamb, but spoke like a dragon, this false prophet who belongs to this antichrist guy who's a false messiah. But this false prophet guy, remember in Islam, they call Jesus Esau, and they call him the prophet Jesus. And it just, the eschatology, you could check out one of my episodes on that if you would like. Um, I did a series in Revelation. If you go to Revelation chapter 6, um, you could see the bad guy script. That's a good video for it as well. It goes into detail about Islamic eschatology and how it fits as the script for the bad guys in Revelation. It's, it's amazing. All right, so... The Word of God is the most important thing, though. We trust the Word of God fully and all the way. That's the only thing that I trust, you guys. So I hope you do, too, because His Word is perfect. 
All right, so let's go into verse 9. We're going so slow here. You know what? I want to go slow through the book of Romans because this book is just full of gems and it will bless your heart. You'll grow and you'll be stronger as we go through this book together. I'm going to grow and be stronger too because I need help too. We all do. Don't let anybody fool you. These uh, great pastors or great uh, teacher, Bible teachers, they need just as much help as you, my friend. We have to rely on Jesus Christ, all of us who belong to him, while we're still living in this flesh. We struggle with this flesh that we live in, this sinful nature that we still have. All right, so let's get all. Let's get back into it. Here's the scripture. Verse 9, For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son is my witness as to how and unceasingly I make mention of you. I always, this is what Paul says, always in my prayers requesting if perhaps now at last by some, by the will of God I will succeed in coming to you. So Paul was just yearning to go to this church in Rome here. Verse 11, for I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us, by the uh, by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul is such a humble guy. He's saying right here, he goes, he wants to be encouraged by them, by their faith. So he's not like thinking of himself as some great apostle. I'm the apostle Paul. Nobody can teach me anything. I'm the apostle. I'm the prophet. Yes, some people will say they are today. Give me a break. No, Paul is saying, <laughs> I want to be encouraged by you guys too. And humility is so important, you guys. The greatest leaders in church history, like my favorite, Billy Graham, uh, Chuck Smith, C.H. Spurgeon, these guys were humble, humble guys. And they never, I mean, if they got a big head, God squished that right away. They kept humble. They stayed humble. They realized that they need their fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ to help them and to encourage them as well. All right. So important. That's what Paul's saying here. It's good stuff. All right encouraging. That's what it's about, to encourage each other. And then verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. Many say that that, that the Holy Spirit was preventing Paul from going to Rome earlier. So that I may obtain some fruit among you also, just as among the rest of the Gentiles. Verse 14, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the uncultured, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel. What does gospel mean? Good news of Jesus Christ, right? I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I'm going to stop right there real quick because you will never speak more powerfully to somebody, my friend. If you're a weak speaker, don't worry because you can speak powerfully and you'll never speak more powerfully than when you're sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ coming and dying for our sins, shedding his blood. And he died in three days. He's raised from the dead. He promises salvation to all who believe. When you preach that or you tell that to somebody, you will never speak more powerfully. God will anoint it. Even if you're a weak speaker, 
There's power in that, you guys. And that's what we see here in the scripture. It says, for it is the power of God, not you or me. It's the power of God for everyone. Salvation means to save, right? To everyone who believes, that's faith right there, believing, right, and trusting. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God made sure it went to the Jewish people first and then to the Gentiles. That was what they meant by Greek. And then verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, Habakkuk 2.4, right? The book of Habakkuk, the prophet. But the righteous one will live by faith. Wow. Is that by works, by doing something good? No, 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 no. It's by faith, my friend, by believing and trusting and standing on the promises of Jesus Christ. The scriptures, God's word, so important, you guys. The righteous one will live by faith. Or in the New King James Version, which I like a lot, it says here, the just shall live by faith. In other words, you're justified in front of God, like a court scene. You're now seen as justified. You're just. You're innocent because of what Jesus did. You may not be innocent because you still sin, right? You understand that. But his righteousness, his justification comes upon you. So when the Father sees you, he sees you in the same standing as Jesus Christ because you're standing in him, with him, clothed in his righteousness. And that's the beautiful thing, my friend, clothed in his righteousness. So faith, faith is believing and trusting God. Believing. How do we do this? How? We believe and trust Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. You can't go to heaven except through Jesus. It's through him, you guys. And that's the beautiful thing about it. All right? Hey, if this is working in your heart, these scriptures, the the powerful good news of, of God, that's the power of God, not from me or anybody else. It's his power. If this is working in your heart, you may sense the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. You may sense him saying, hey, this is true. This is for you. You're a sinner. You may feel sad and, and sorry for your sin because you see how good God is to send Jesus to die for your sin. He suffered and died on that cross, horrible death. All sin was put on him. All the whole world's sin, the Bible says, the scriptures say, were placed on him. He became sin who knew no sin. And he suffered and he would shed his blood and then he died. And then in three days, he raised. He was raised from the dead. He was alive. The tomb couldn't hold him. It burst open and Jesus came out alive. And that's the promise to us too as believers. We our bodies will be raised up and resurrected if we die before Jesus returns. If he returns, we just be caught up in our new bodies, transformed in a twinkling of an eye, a millisecond, right? And brought into the air in the presence of Jesus forever and ever and ever. We're going to live with him, reign with him from Jerusalem, and then in the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem forever and ever and ever. That's a promise from God, you guys. Isn't that great? you're getting the good deal. God's not getting the good deal, but you're getting the good deal. That's when I got saved. I realized, oh my gosh, God, really? You want me? Okay, you know, you're know, you getting a bad deal, but man, I'm getting a great deal. And that's called grace, you guys. Grace, getting something really good you don't deserve. But if this speaks to your heart and you would like to be saved, you can say this prayer after me, my friend, to be 
to be transformed, to be a new creation, to to be born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus, the, the religious leader, the Pharisee, who was a believer after it was all said and done, he believed in Jesus. And if this is speaking to your heart, you can say this prayer to God. You're praying to God. You're praying to him from your heart. You're believing. You're trusting him. If this speaks to you, say this prayer after me if you'd like to be saved. You're inviting Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, all right? All right, say this prayer after me if that's speaking to you. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus came and he died on the cross for my sins and for the world's sins. I believe that he shed his blood for me. I also believe that in three days he was raised from the dead and he's alive today. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. I choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, my friend. If you did that, heaven rejoices. All of heaven is rejoicing right now over one who commits their life to Jesus Christ, one who believes, and that's that faith. You're believing, you're trusting in him daily. It's going to be every day, you guys. There'll be challenges coming ahead, but you will always be, he'll never abandon you. He'll always keep you in his hand. He's always going to have you, even if you don't feel it. So make sure you're going to a Bible-believing church. Make sure you're reading your Bible every day and make sure you have fellowship with other believers. That's how you're going to stay strong, my friend. God bless you. I can't wait to get into more of the book of Romans with you. I love you guys. Love you. All right.